tax day is coming. Oh, no. But if you sign up for Robinhood Gold's IRA with a 3% match, you can get up to $195 for the 2023 tax year. Oh, yeah. Sign up at Robinhood.com slash boostbytaxday to get the biggest contribution match on the market. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Robinhood Financial, LLC, member SIPC. Blog Talk Radio. Fringeradionetwork.com slash donate. We don't need your money to survive. We pay for the network with our own hard-earned cash. But if you want to help us grow and reach more people, just go to fringeradionetwork.com slash donate. For a donation of $20 or more, we'll send you a free network t-shirt. Fringeradionetwork.com slash donate. Gentlemen, we are live streaming. I am very excited about this. Uh, boy, I can't be more excited. Uh, we've got this show to cover this uh, particular Christian conspiracy theory. is going to be dedicated uh, to the launching of the Book of Enoch, a Greek-English interlinear of the Arkham Fragments keyed to Strong's exhaustive concordance. I, I can't believe that... Uh, my son finally got this done. He has literally completed my life's work. Um, Lord have mercy. Uh, even going back to uh, the very copy that Aaron first looked at uh, of the Charles translation of the Book of Enoch, literally his mother, before she was my wife, uh, was holding my hands as I walked to the library to get it because it had been uh, set aside for me specifically. Uh, it had been arranged uh, to get this copy of the Charles translation, completely his footnotes and everything, uh, by a Prof. Williams. And uh, I'll never forget the day. And, and it has been my... This is what needed to be done. No matter what you say, no matter what you think... Now the Book of Enoch is up for debate by and for not the theologians, not the scholars, by the layperson. They can literally go to the library, get their Strong's exhaustive concordance, and literally be able to debate what Enoch actually says. So, um, oh my goodness. Uh, very, very, very excited. I mean, my, my son just doesn't realize that, that he has completed what I intended uh, to do. And, of course, I couldn't because I was taking care 
of my wife and her children. So uh, very, very, very pleased and excited to to be able to present this to you. Um, and we're going to get from Aaron. I want from him. Aaron, tell us why you so strongly wanted to do this. Why you eternally ask me about the angels over and over and over and over, and 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 why you you felt like it was important to do this. Well, to be completely honest, um, well, it's more than obvious that I inherited your interests. Um. I remember you said to um, set the book aside, to never, uh, um, to not read it until I had read the whole Bible. Um, but I remember coming up to him, uh, coming up to my dad, and and uh, being like, "Well, should it be in the Bible?" Based on these different reasons, and I said, "Why isn't it in the Bible?" And I was like, well, is it, it, and the first thing he said to me was like, some of the reasons are because it, they contradict the, they contradict the scriptures. So he had me to set apart the book of Enoch to find out, did it contradict the scriptures? And from what I read, none of it did co contradict the scriptures in any way. In fact, it rather expounded upon the scriptures. Um, so... Um, something that you'll see with a lot of uh, a lot of um, books, uh, false books, is that they they were they were written to establish a new doctrine, to establish a new gospel, and you will know by the sound of those books. Okay, uh, like for instance, I, I've I've skimmed over uh, a few uh, Gnostic books um, that were said to be have been written by either apostles or patriarchs or whoever and they are blatantly obvious okay that they are trying to make the purpose of these books are to pollute the truth and to establish a new gospel um, apart from the one in the scriptures and that's what and the fact that Enoch does not come try to bring a new gospel doesn't try to bring a new story to the scriptures Okay, it's just expounding on the scriptures. So it, it doesn't, it doesn't, it's not as if, if you were to put the book of Enoch in the Bible, it wouldn't be overwhelmingly, you know, as if it wouldn't fit at all, okay? If that makes any sense. So it's not incompatible with the scriptures. Say for instance, like the book of Mormon. The book of Mormon contradicts the Bible. They try to put it into the Bible, but it contradicts it. And the Book of Enoch isn't like that. Okay, and that's the and um and that was the first step that I made with that. I remember somewhere along the along the way, 2015 that we had we had first moved into our house in Reader. Um, that year, I remember we had been doing some construction. I remember when I first sat down and started working on it, it was. The sp about the springtime, yeah, it was spring. Yeah, and I remember we were talking about finances. Um, and I was like, you know what? What if I just 
sat down and translated the Book of Enoch? What if I just keyed the Book of Enoch to Strong's, the Strong's Concordance? And I said it probably wouldn't take that long. And I was actually surprised to hear your answer and that you told me to go ahead and do it. I was actually really surprised to hear that answer. And I had never touched Greek text before. Um, I had just, I just set it down, started working with it, with what I had. I want to, um, uh, I owe the, um, the website called textexcavation.com a lot of thanks for finding what I, for finding these texts. I like most of the text that I found, the very beginning of my study started with that website. I'm very thankful to have found it. But <clears throat> you can find a lot of those texts on there and um, has led me to, I've done hours and hours of research to find texts that have been lost, that I thought it were lost anyway. And um, I wanted to put together a new set of, of Apocrypha. I don't think, I originally wanted just to do the Book of Enoch, but um, you did, I remember we had the conversation a long ago that you said the next book you wanted me to do was um, the Book of Jubilees from Greek. And um, sometimes I looked at it and uh, uh, just to try to figure things out, but I knew it, it held secrets that, you know, I was really excited to touch, but I knew I couldn't touch it. I had to finish what I was doing with the Book of Enoch. And now four years later, at least four years, four or five years, and I have completed the Book of Enoch, and now um, I'm working on the Book of Jubilees. Like this, I immediately after I finished the Book of of, of Enoch um, that night, just so a few weeks ago, I went to the prayer ch to the chapel here at at Trinity Bible College, and they had a um, and they had like a worship session going on. And uh, I went up there and took the microphone from them and uh, between songs and I said, uh, and I told everyone there that I praised like God. I praised God from the depths of my heart that God had helped me to finish this book because I had never thought that I would ever be able to do this. And never had I ever been filled with such arrogance. Like I could never be filled with arrogance in this because I knew this was God that helped me. God helped me do this. This wasn't me. And I also gave a lot of thanks to my dad here for all the motivation he gave me because there was a lot of times where I would just drop it because of out of anxiety. But, yeah. Well, son. Well, son, I, I'm going to have to give your mother uh, the credit. It wasn't until behind the scenes I, 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 I told your mother, you need to... Uh, you know, you, you need to help out here. Aaron's stalled out, and she's the one that encouraged you and got this done. So, look, you have no idea. You just have no idea that your mother already knew 20 years ago. This is the reason why we originally bought the Old Testament uh, pseudepigrapha, Volumes 1 and 2. This is the whole reason why. That That's right. You've got it right there in your very end. Those right there was purchased. You, I, I told your mother not to tell you. Those were purchased because I was going to do what you have done. So, your mother knew all of this. She knew this was going on behind the scenes. So, 
you stated something uh, uh, very important. We're going to touch on it later, just exactly why Jubilees is so uh, important. But right now, let's go over this. Looking at your book, uh, because I forgot to bring it down from downstairs, but I do have uh, the original format that you sent me. Describe to us what your book describes the introduction as the Sethite view. This is the crux of the matter. This is where the rubber hits the road. You need to tell us your opinion. Is the Sethite view, is it not only even viable, but in your opinion, is it truth or not? <clears throat> what say you? Okay, so the Sethite view uh, is the main reason why the Book of Enoch is rejected. Um, and usually you can make you can draw a line between the uh, between the, the 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 apocryphal books because if if they contradict the Book of Enoch and those who don't um, and, and the Book of Enoch is basically uh, the root of the Book of Enoch is its interpretation of the fall of the angels in uh, Genesis chapter uh, six verses one to four. Okay, so those verses describe the Nephilim. It says how the sons of God came into the daughters of men and took them as wives, and they bore children unto them. These were the Nephilim, who were the giants, or the earthborn, as my translation gives. So the giants, uh, these, so they say that according to the Sethite view, the sons of God were actually the Sethites, the, the descendants of Seth, who had made some sort of promise to God or something that they wouldn't, you know, marry into foreigners, kind of like what the God, what God established with the Israelites and the Canaanites, that told the Israelites not to marry with the Canaanites. And the daughters of men were supposed to be the, um, the, the, the descendants of Cain. Okay, this is mostly found in, uh, in Thomas Aquinas' stuff. Uh, this is it was later picked up by John Calvin, uh, and then was carried on from there. The big reason why this book is rejected, people under people say that it is the um, that this is the uh, this is the standard interpretation of Genesis chapter six. Nowadays, uh, pretty much at, at my college, um, I literally. I got a random message during chapel from one of the professors. Well, he was actually a, a football coach at the time. And he was like, do you know anything about the Book of Enoch? And then I had a talk with him. And he was like, well, I was so glad to find you because he's like, I'm pretty much the only one here at this college who believes in the, in that it was the, that Genesis 6 was talking about angels and not Sethites. Now, the Sethite view is not, you can't back it up with scripture at all. Okay, it's a fun idea. I mean, I mean, yeah, it's it's a fun like little fairy tale you can make up from it. Stop. You can't support it with Stop. scripture. Stop. You know, this just irritated me. Get straight to the chase. Is this even a viable theory to the original text? Hebrew or Greek, either one. I don't care which one you pick. Is that view even viable as a theory? No, no. I, I, I've had people try to argue with me about it, and it didn't, it didn't go anywhere. You can't, 
you, in order for you to say that, you have to contradict what the Gospel of John directly states that it says that through Christ we have the power, we have the ability to become sons of God. Okay? Yeah. So no human yeah. Yeah. can become a son of God without Christ. And Christ did not come before then. So we have the sons of God are clearly described as angels in, in Job on multiple occasions, and people just like throw it off to the side over and over again for no reason. They don't have a viable proof to state. In, in fact, it contradicts the point of the passage. So it, it goes out of its way to describe how supernatural the Nephilim are, and how is that supposed to be so supernatural that the Sethite, that, that two humans just intermarried? Okay, it's not. let's do this. Let's do this, okay? You know how your daddy is when I get irritated. I am beyond this. I, I am, I'm literally too old for this. So, in your translation, you and I just butted heads together. What do we call these things? I mean, a lot of people calls it, you know, giants, they're Nephilim, they call them all kinds of things. I have to go upstairs and get your book off the shelf, so you're going to have the mic for a few minutes, okay? How did you translate it? Who, who, what, where, when, why? So just let's just bring this out into the light. What does the book of Enoch, what does it call these things? Are they giants? Are they Nephilim? You got the mic. I'll be right back. The Ackman fragments are the ones that I translated, and it does not say Nephilim. For, it uses the Septuagint's translation for the word of Nephilim. Um, gigantes is the Greek word. Gigantes in Greek means the earthborn. If you go into the Greek history of it, it's literally the, the word gigantes, even though it's what we get the word giant from, does not refer to size. Gigantes refers to what they came from. It means born of the earth. And it basically goes from the story of the blood of uh, Uranus, who was the, the god of heaven, fell onto the earth, on, onto Gaia, which, or Gaia, which is earth, and like the Gigantes were spawned from that blood. This is a perfect, perfect description of the fall of the angels. It's the, the DNA from heaven came down onto the earth and had children from that. Therefore, it's literally, the book of Enoch goes out of its way to describe why they're the earthborn, why they are the gigantes. Therefore, I decided in the middle of the translation, I had a conversation with my dad about like, should we really translate it giants? So I literally completely took out the translation giants and made it earthborn, is what we decided to use. Off the hook. So, like I said, let the rubber hit the road. Can you describe uh, the Greek words, or did you already did that when I was going to get your book? Gigantes? Yes, the Gigantes. Yeah. So... You've gone way beyond this, son. Literally the layperson, and I mean people in high... <laughs> Let's back up just a minute. You realize that when you were six years old, 
literally, you had a Strong's right there. If you'd have had this translation when you were six, you could have flipped open my great big Strong's and you literally would have been able to translate that word for yourself and come up with a reckoning in your mind what it actually means. And it is so massively important that you get the right terminology. Because in the name itself, they are earthborn. They are angelic entities that have been born on the earth. That's literally what it means. And that was so massively important that you forget all of your emotions, throw all that trash away. Stick to the facts. I don't care what's been before. I don't care what's ahead. What's actually the facts? And that's why your methodology for translation was so important. I was so critical about it. I don't care what Charles wrote. I don't care what anything else says. The lay person needs the facts. The rubber has to hit the road. We can't let them uh, you know, stumble around in the dark. Give it to them and let them decide. So Exactly. That's the perfect wording. Like the, the one that I wrote in, the, in the, the point that I put in the description, the, the point of this book, this interlinear Key to Strong version, is now you can take it and compare it to the Bible. Yeah. Oh, okay. Let's just talk about that. How many times is either the Bible quoted in Enoch or Enoch quoted in the Bible? How many verses did you find was crossed over? Now, now, now look, you can even shed personal light. Because remember when you showed me that one text and I said, Aaron, I know exactly what that's talking about. He will set the captives free. So how many verses did you find? Was it three or was it four? Lost your audio. I lost your audio, son. Yeah, I just muted. Um, I'll actually take uh, go get the book off my shelf and show you. Do it. Uh oh. <laughs> that's what you needed, isn't it, ladies and gentlemen? That's what you needed. Man, it reminds me of. Well, it kind of reminds me of Dory Lynn Etheridge and our mutual friend, Byron LeBeau. This is exactly what Byron needed. Exactly. So, uh... By the way, this is the book that my dad was talking about. That he had set apart. This is Charles's text. Look at this, people. Yep, yep, yep. And then it goes. Yep, yep, yep. It's all Charles, Charles went out of his way to find parallels in the scripture. Sounds to me literally that Charles had the Bible known off the back of his hand. <laughs> well, yeah, that's, yeah, that's, yeah. But I mean, like this one verse you showed me, you're like, what's he talking about, Dad? He just... Bing. I mean, like, nee, 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 like, literally like the bionic man. Um, bing. That is exactly describing he's going to set the captives free. That's exactly what that means. But yeah. it goes so much more. But, you know, um, let's take chapter 5. 
All right, and let's take chapter five. Everybody wants to concentrate on the angelic. No, that's one of the reasons why it's important. But when we look here, I don't. Yeah, we can just do this. I'll just go to chapter five. Show everybody something real quick. All right. Chapter 5 is massively important for another reason, because it tells you, literally, that before the flood, we were terra erectus. This is why I'm writing the book Terra Erectus. I'm going to just open up. This is my son's translation. I'm going to read straight from it. But no one understands. He literally comes right out and tells you that before the flood, everything endured because there was no season. There's no seasons. He comes right out and tells you. So, uh, chapter 5 and verse 1. See how the green leaves on the trees are their covering, and all the fruit of them in value and glory. Take heed and understand concerning all the work that the living God himself hath done, and the way that it lives on forever. Ladies and gentlemen, there was no autumn. Do you understand? There was no autumn. There was no spring. The earth was terra erectus. It was of a zero degree axial tilt. God, it was standing up. So you keep on, and he just goes way out of his way to literally come right out in the open and tell you this. Verse 2. And all of his work go just as he created them for. In their course from year to year. He literally just come right out and told you there were no seasons. And all things come to pass in this way. And all things complete their task and do not change their task. But just according to his commandment, it all takes place. Don't you realize what he just stated? There's no seasons. He just told you that everything remains in its, its task. This is massively important that you know this. So, it's not one thing. Okay, yes it is the angels, but it's also that. He explains to you in fantastic detail what happened and why it happened. So, this translation is not only fresh and new, it is highly technical and to the point. It's exactly what you need to to argue your case against the Sethite view. Absolutely. It's absolutely. Uh, it even goes on to state, well, like Psalms 104. <sighs> Boy, you line that up with that text and it makes Psalm 104 explode off the page. Literally, and there's so many passages like that, it literally makes everything make sense. So, Aaron, uh, why don't you share something personal about this translation that you had to uh, 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 come to grips with uh, and overcome your opinions or your thoughts about this text while you were translating it? Is there any topics like that? I had to fight within myself the reason I, I know that I did fight within myself the reason why I was doing it um, I, I do remember having a conversation with my dad like does God really want me to do this like this is 
I was like, this is the book of Enoch. This isn't the scripture that that the that I was raised as as, as you know that as authoritative. And I said, do I really want to start out my ministry as with my first book being something non-canonical? And I and I and you know, like in the middle of that, I had a conversation. I was I just talked to my dad. I was like, does God really want this? Is this what God wants? Why would He want me to do this? And what was it? What did you say, Dad? <laughs> That's not my place. It's for you to say. This. I said that once I finished this book, the first thing I did was go up on stage in tears and praise God. Because I knew it was Him. It was God who helped me do this. Now I'm going to um, share you, with you all something really, really personal. That I struggle with a lot of anxiety and depression. You who are my Facebook friends probably know this. And um, it gets pretty serious sometimes. It was so bad sometimes that I would completely space um, the Book of Enoch. I couldn't even think about it um, for months and months. And my dad would just, and my dad here, he, he, would, he would just, he said, just take a break of it, Aaron. Don't even think about it. Don't even try. Just, just let your mind relax. You need to relax. And um, like the, the stress would get so intense, like it would blur my mind. Like, um, and I uh, dealt with a lot of anxiety. And in my mind, somewhere deep inside my brain, I had a fear that I would never be able to finish anything, never be able to complete anything in my life. A lie which the enemy implanted in me. And I do believe that this, a lot of this was demonic forces which were implanting these lies in my head ever since I was a kid and that and that I wouldn't that I would never be able to finish this book. And as things got harder, I pushed on, I pushed on, I pushed on. And you know what? I just um like last month I was just like, you know what? I'm just gonna I'm just gonna just screw it. I'm I'm just gonna do what I need to do, start working on the format and get it finished. Um and like I said, um it was then that I realized, oh, like, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, there was this spirit of joy that filled me when I finished it. When I said, Dad, this is the PDF. It's done. And I said, and then just that same, the very next day, I had it published. And then the next day after that, it was free, it was open on Amazon where you could buy and I there was just so much joy in me and I knew I knew this was God who had done this so it, so that this is quite unmistakable proof that not only shot holes through the lies of the enemy but also it shows that God wanted me to do this and for whatever purpose, um, right now I'm still trying to come up with what what, what my ideology for for the Book of Enoch and all the Apocrypha is. 
um, what their purpose is. The best I can come up with so far is that the Book of Enoch and all the other books um, are part of the second canon, what the Catholics call the Deuterocanon. I add, I have added to the, the Deuterocanon, and I say that this is separate from the Bible. The Bible, the Bible itself, is what is needed for the, for the commoner. You don't need the Apocrypha to find all the doctrines of God Absolutely. or who God is. You Absolutely. only need that. You, the Bible is what you need to find that. But the other books are for expounding on the Scripture and are for um, basically uh, uh, to help understand things that are quite obscure. Can the nature. Go ahead. Sorry, son. Can I interject? Yeah. You're a first-hand witness, correct? What do you think would have happened, son, if I would have been teaching you baseball statistics from the time you were six? Tell me what you think would have happened. Nothing. You would have liked baseball, correct? Yeah. I have always stated this. I'm never going to wait. I've said this in the pulpit I don't know how many times. What these books do is get you interested in the canon. Okay? That's what it does. Most people, whenever they come to these tough questions, whenever they come to these tough questions of, you know, well, what does Genesis chapter 6 say? Is that, you know, this, is that this? And they just can't find any more information on it. It's lingering in that doubt that something else gets their attention because after one year, after two years, you forget about it. It's a dead end, so you go do something else like baseball, right, Aaron? Right? Yeah. So I trained you in the scripture and I gave you these things to help you feel, to get to egg you on, to inspire you to come to grips with a simple fact that the Bible is God's holy word. It inspired you to... St I mean, Aaron, please share with everybody. How many times did you ask me about the behemoth and the, and the Leviathan? Oh, how many shows have we done? Uh, is it not true that you even did a show on the Fringe Radio Network with Johnny? I, I, I don't even remember how old you were. Uh, like 10. Like 10? Yeah, 10 or 11? Mm-hmm. Aaron, you were live streaming on the internet at 10 years old on the French radio network talking about the behemoth and the Leviathan because I did not get you interested in statistics, baseball, apple pie, or Chevrolet. Amen? Uh, uh, yeah, yeah, well, people, like... People think that the Bible is something boring that you can't relate to. Oh my gosh, you have every kind of genre in the Bible. I mean, you have, um, you have, like, supernatural stuff. You have, you have war. You have romance. You have, you know, just all kinds of different stuff. You have people fighting and killing giants. This, it's, it was just amazing. My dad taught me to look in the scriptures and see that. 
the Bible is just, it's interesting. And <laughs> I, interesting people, people, I, I'm, I'm reading the Bible pretty much all the time. Riddle me, I, baby. I, I'm, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not like, I'm not lying to you. I, I, I literally read it for fun. I study the Bible for fun because it is fun. And it, but God has his answers for you in there. And he wants you to be imaginative about what he wrote. What is he trying to say? And don't, I've always been, my dad taught me to be quite skeptical about having somebody tell me what the Bible says. <laughs> okay, I'm, I, I'm not disrespectful and say um, you're wrong, but I go and I'm like, if you're right, I want to see why. <laughs> because his answers are in the scriptures. Right. He has his answers for you, and it's been there for thousands and thousands of years. And it's just amazing, and it's 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 fun. But my dad, I would not have to, I would not be able to do this if my dad had not implanted this in my brain. So, yeah. Well, don't give me no credit. I'm just a dumb construction worker. So I'm just a dumb laborer. But, um, you know, let's talk about this. We're going to read this out of the Thompson translation because this is Greek. This is a Greek translation. And this is exactly what you have done, King the Greek Arkham Fragments to uh, Strong's Exhaustive Concordance. So, so let's read this. Uh, and it came to pass when the men began to be multiplied on the earth and the daughters were born to them that the sons of God, seeing the daughters of men, that they were fair, took to themselves wives of all whom they chose. Then the Lord said, My breath must not continue in these men to this age, because they are flesh. Their days, however, shall be 120 years. Now there were giants on the earth in those days. Let's use Aaron's translation. Let's see how that makes it better. Now there were the earthborn on the earth in those days, and after, when the sons of God went into the daughters of men, and they bore to them. These were the earthborn of old, the men of renown. So when the Lord saw that the wickedness of men on earth was multiplied, and that everyone in his heart stupendously and continually bent upon evils. God grieved that he had made men on the earth. And God came to a determination and said, I will blot out from the face of the earth the man I've created, both man and beast. Now listen, you take note, he doesn't include the earthborn here. He says, man, beast, reptiles, birds of the air, for I am grieved that I have made them. So, this is that great big question mark in young Christians' minds. What is this about? But if you had interjected there, the giants was what they really were, earthborn, then all of a sudden it, the entire text makes sense. So can you can you read out of my translation, Enoch chapter seven? Because I extensively went out of the way to go the original meaning of words, right. not to what they've become to me. Like, what does pharmakia mean? I remember that was a big conversation we had. What is pharmakia? And we, we got that translated into the words pharmaceuticals rather than sorcery. Okay. 
chapter 7 and verse 1. How, how many do you want me to read? Uh, there's not very many verses in there. I think you just read it all. But it describes every, it explains everything that happened. Right, right. In, in verse, in chapter 6. And this uh, will, this is important. We'll talk about what you and I discussed tonight on the phone with the book of Jubilees. Um, the book of Enoch, chapter 7 and verse 1. And each of them took for themselves wives of their choice of women and proceeded to go into them and defile them and teach them pharmaceuticals and enchantments and root cutting and showed them botany. I remember the debate we had over that word botany. Verse 2. And their womb received and bore the great earthborn about 3,000 cubits who devoured the works of humans. But when humans were not able to feed them, the earthborn conspired against them and ate humans. And they began to sin against the birds and the beasts and the reptiles and the fish and to devour each other's flesh and drink the blood. Then the earth pleaded against the lawless, lawless ones. Your comments? Well, that explains why God, ki why God killed the animals, too. Yes. Because they, because these, I actually had a conversation with somebody at the college here recently. Literally, life on earth was in danger. If God didn't send the flood, like, life was about to be pretty much go extinct because all genetics had been destroyed. I, I think it's chapter 16 or 17. I'm not sure. But it describes that the angels would polymorph themselves, which was literally what I interpret as meaning they genetically altered, altered themselves so that they could uh, copulate with animals. They would tr literally transform. You know, the, the reason why... Uh, a dog can't have a child with uh, with a cat because is because the genetics are different. They don't line up. But if if the angel could transform itself into a dog, genetically at least, then it could bear a child with a dog. So literally, not only have they corrupt the human genome, but also animals. And this was pretty much destroying everything. And that describes why the Genesis six says. All flesh was corrupted. It explains why the heart of men was evil continually because they had learned the secrets of heaven the angels had taught them. And it's pretty interesting that um, the book of Enoch says that uh, the secrets of heaven, um, that these angels got in trouble because they taught humans the secrets of heaven. And then in the New Testament, Jesus said that the secrets of heaven are only meant for the elect. Why? Because evil people can't know them. If they do know them, they're just going to do evil things with them. Well. But literally, I guess, like, chapter 7 here gives an explanation for all of your questions about Genesis 6. Literally. Literally. I mean, there is no more question marks. I mean, this fills in all the blanks. So... So, like I, 
<laughs> like I stated, this is massively important. And, and of course, we, we have to talk a little bit about uh, the names. Did you have trouble translating any of the names uh, there in – there's two lists of names there in the book of Enoch. Uh, how did your translation differ from Charles in his translation of the angelic names? Well, um, I went to the original roots. Um, I, I went set out to key everything to Strong's. Okay, the names showed up, and I wanted the the the, the names to be keyed to Strong's. But I spent hours and hours trying to break the encryption with the names because the names seem to be intentionally corrupted. And so I took all of the 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 names from. Uh, Lawrence's translation, from Charles's translation, and from the Charles Worth translation, which is in these books. And then I took the Greek, both Greek versions. The other Greek version is Sincellus. I have not, I did not translate that one, but hint, hint. Um, anyway, so I used all them, um, put them in order, and put them in a chart. And over hours, finding how all the names could be in common, which letters were, were corrupted, um, how they could all be in common. I found root words. Some of the names um, were, have synonyms, like um, a, big, a big one is in, in uh, chapter six, one angel's name is Atrio, but in uh, the next chapter, his name is Sahario, but they're both they both mean the same in, in, in Hebrew. If you go to the original Hebrew, they both mean a circle of God. And um, because I had taken the time to break this, I think I really have broken the code to what the names mean. And I have the original restored names to the original Hebrew forms to what these angels' names were. Did you hear that, ladies and gentlemen? That's right. He went the extra mile. Yep, he sure did. Oh, I went the extra mile with everything. Yes, you did. Yes, you but, did. Um, yeah, I, I often, I, I often did have some insecurities about the fact that I'm not a Greek scholar. I can't, you know, fluently read Greek. I had to use a machine uh, computer program to help me. But um, no one, uh, no one else has, had ever tried to do this thing that I'm doing. So I had to do something, and I, even though my, like, once I actually get to know Koine Greek off the back of my hand, which is my plan, I'll probably find some flaws in my translation because this was a uh, 15-year-old to 19-year-old doing this who didn't know, like, like actually fluently know Greek. Hey, man. But it's the best that there is right now, and so. Um, and so I'm also, now that it's open and keyed to Strong's for all of you, you can give your own translations for it. I mean, literally, you can do that now with my translation. That's right. I hope everybody heard that right because, yeah, that's, that, that's right. So, uh, boy, um, we're going to uh, go off the hook right here.
Um, let's, uh, let's go ahead and switch over to the Word so everybody can see it. All right. Now for the great big bonus. You called me tonight uh, before we went in to uh, see um, Canada's Double Portion. We went to a concert tonight, a big uh, plug uh, for uh, Canada's Double Portion. Really, really good uh, family group. Um, so anyway, uh, you called me and you asked me about, well, how am I going to uh, do the alphanumerics? And of course, I told you, well, you've already been instructed uh, uh, to do this. You know to use AN. Uh, we've already, you've already made several graphs that way. But in the processes of this, what is the real gem of the Book of Jubilees? How does the numbers relate to the angels? Can you describe that for us? Okay. So I, so the point that I, I, I talked to my dad was, I don't have Strong's numbers for alphanumerics. Um, to all of you who don't know, each Greek letter is a number. And if you put them together, they make a new number. You, with addition and you know, multiplication and all of that, you can do that with, with letters in Greek. So they do that. Um, the Book of uh, Jubilees in Greek extensively uses alphanumerics. Literally, unlike the, the Ethiopic Book of Jubilees, this one literally gives dates to when things happened. It gives dates to when the fall of the angels occurred, to when, you know, when Adam was cast out of the garden, has that. But Sincellus, I think my dad was getting confused with this, Sincellus' um, book of uh, Enoch, which I instead have used his fragment to reconstruct the, the book of Noah, I also combined it with, with a fragment found in our canonical book of Genesis, and in, this, in his version, it also uses alphanumerics for a very interesting reason, to number the angels who fell. In, Je in Enoch chapter 6, it gives the list of the angel names. He gives a number for each of them. And in the next, in, in chapter 8, when it mentions the angels, a lot of them, he doesn't even name them. He refers to them by their number. Uh, stop. Say that again. He doesn't even name them. He refers to them by their number. All right. Just, just pause right there, son. Here, ladies and gentlemen, we have the infamous... 144,000 of Revelation chapter 7 and verse 4. You'll take note what I've highlighted here. You can see for yourself. That is not 144. No, that's not how you spell 144. That is alphanumerics. Why is it so critically important? Of course, this is numbering primus resurrexorate. That's what it's numbering. So, you know from Revelation chapter 20 that it's this group right here that come to life because they did not take the mark of the beast and they rule and reign with Christ. You know this. You know Revelation chapter 7, verse 4, and you know what the Bible says in Revelation chapter 20. There's no debating that. Now you have to come to grips with the simple fact of the 666. The 666 does the exact same thing, doesn't it, Aaron? It does yep. the exact same thing 
And do you realize what you just said? What you just said was, here in the Greek, in this manuscript, it ascribes in multiple instances. It doesn't name the angel. It gives them his number, correct? Correct. Off the hook. Aaron, we need this translation. Yep. Um, yes, we needed the Book of Enoch first, no doubt about it. There is also no doubt about this. We need this Book of Jubilees. Well, the one this with the numbering of the angels is not the Book of Jubilees. That's the Book of Noah. I'm saying the next trans. We need this next book. Now, that's what I'm going to do. So, this particular one is Noah, correct? Mm -hmm. You've already mentioned the Book of Jubilees. How big is this next book going to be, and how many of these books are going to be in it, please? Um, it was right now. I was planning to have the apocryphal Pentateuch. Okay, so it has the Book of Jubilees. The Book of the Covenant, which I reconstructed from a text within the scripture and in um, uh, the life of Adam and Eve. And I also completely reconstructed um, chapters out of uh, other books. Um, I have Eldad and Modad reconstructed. I went an extra mile from what most people do. I, I went an extra mile than those in my, in my version of the Assumption of Moses, which is also mentioned by Jude. And I don't know, dude. I mean, that's that's. Oh, oh yeah. I also have the uh, Genes and Jambres. Um, I'm probably pronouncing their names wrong, but I went the extra mile to get this text. I looked far and near to get it, and I, uh, thanks to some of my Facebook friends, I got this book for nearly a hundred dollars. And I have that with a bunch of other texts that you have never, which the light of day has never seen. I have a new edition, and now the, the book of Genesis and Jambres, which is mentioned in, I think, Second Timothy, you can read it for yourself. Boom, and I baby. have a, it's very, 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 very fragmented, but you can study it. Um, I, some, some, a lot of the lines are completely unintelligible which I have completely cut out, but um, the ones that can be read, I have, I have key, I, I'm going to have key to strong. But I don't know, do you think I should throw in look, the, the book of Generations of Noah, too? Look, there? look, this is literally your family's theme. It's never changed, it's never wavered. Do what you can, when you can, to the best of your ability, with what it is that you've been given. Amen? How many times have you heard me say that? <laughs> yeah. Okay. And no, and no, you, you're. I don't have the 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 book of Jasher that you all know. The it's a it's a, a later midrash. It's it's not. And every time I read it, I almost cringe because it's not consistent with the scripture or any of the other apocryphal books. But um, I reconstructed the book of Jasher, which I actually have its actual name, the book of the upright. What it should be translated. Uh, I have given that. Uh, I have extracted that from the scripture as well. There's a lot of books that I have completely reconstructed, which are completely new to you and open for study. Um, so I don't know. Do you think I should? Do you think I should throw in the Book of Noah in here? 
in, in, in my book or I'll leave that for another time. Minus the book of Noah, how many pages do you think you're talking about? Because here, uh, your book of Enoch, the last page is your references, so it's like 128 pages. So how big would this book be minus Noah? Oh, this is going to be way bigger than um, than than Enoch. So it's 38 pages just with the Greek. Um, multiply that by two for the English. So 70 pages. And then uh, I would say maybe uh, half of that for um, for like um, for like translator notes and stuff. So I would say one hundred one hundred and five pages, and that doesn't include introduction or anything like that. So that is comparable with this book. It's one hundred and twenty-eight. Yeah. Yeah, that's what it should be. Yeah, I, I haven't gotten the physical copy yet, Dad. How thick is it? Would you say the book? That thick? I can't see. Yeah, it's 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 hard to. Is it like an inch or? No, I would say it's like half an inch thick, maybe. Ah. Anyway. Okay. Well worth it. Well worth every dime. I mean, literally, um, there's some jokes out there. The Book of Enoch. I mean, they're complete jokes. And uh, you sent me some staggering prices. I'm like, how much did you say that was? What was the one price? The ones that I just laughed. I don't know, but I saw one for three hundred. Is it keyed to Strong's? No. Then it's worthless. Amen. Amen. I d right. look. The children of the living God don't need your opinions. So I don't care what you think the translation is. If it's not keyed to Strong's, where I can either agree with you or disagree with you, it's worthless. It's not worth three cents to me. And then there this was there's, there's one there's one uh, verse in the book of Enoch that mentions Terra Erectus. Which we don't have in Greek. I was gonna, I was gonna ask you about. It. One time I mentioned to you that there's a Hebrew translation of it. It's translated from the Ethiopic. Right. I have, I have it on on my computer and I've actually edited it myself, uh, according to how I think the original probably went. Mm -hmm. And do you think I should present that my edition of the Hebrew translation um, and key that to Strong's? Because it's very it's very important the fact that it mentions that Noah saw that the earth was tilted. Right. Well, now now we need to wait because we're still waiting on Ben to get back with us. Because remember, he goes to. Let me be very careful. With that. His in-laws are from Ethiopia, so his priest at his church can translate it. Now. You have to take note that they're spread so thin that he only sees Ben about once a month. Once we have confirmation on that single verse, and this is what Ben said. Ben said that the priest said, hey, uh, I think this is means tilted. This is off the hook. As soon as we get that confirmation and if it agrees with what you say, then then we need to do what's right. It's not ours. 
It is the Ecclesia vast. It's hers. So should I use the he this Hebrew translation of it? It's done like it was done in like the 1800s, late 1800s, about the time of Charles. As soon as we get that verse translated from the Ethiopic priest, then we'll go forward, okay? It's, we'll do. It's literally up to him. If God wants it done, it's going to get translated and it's going to agree with it or not. So it's literally in God's hands. If he wants the, his bride to have it, we'll supply it. So, But if it does agree with your translation, we go both barrels and present it as a bonus or something? I don't know. Uh, yeah. we'll well, do it'll have, it'll have, it will have my edition. I, I, I have like personally gone in there and edited the text. All right, Aaron, uh, we are up to the one-hour mark, so we're going to have to close this out. So your closing comments, Aaron, and um, if you'd like to share your social media sites uh, so people can get to you, go ahead, um, and all that good stuff. Um, I, I'm available on Facebook um, under the name Aaron Miller. Um, for uh, I'm also on Instagram, uh, Punk Mo Rocker underscore Rocker. Um, that'd be P U N C K. No, not C K. Just K. And then M O underscore R O C K E R. So um, that's my Instagram. Uh, and yeah, you should be able to uh, get me via those. Um, also, yeah, uh, this this. I just want you all, all the, all the bride, to understand how important each one of them are. All of you, all of you, have a purpose for the kingdom of God. And maybe, maybe I have, I, like, I've been called to do this, this very huge thing. But you all could do this. It's very same thing. A fifteen, and don't let this let this thing make you feel bad that you're older than me and haven't accomplished something. It just remind, let it remind you that it doesn't matter your intelligence or where you are in life. Just get up and do something. Do something for the Lord. What does He want you to do? And like I continually say, this was God who finished my translation. It wasn't me. Amen to that. If you want to catch me and my son, uh, we do Christian Conspiracy Theory on the Fringe Radio Network. Uh, we also uh, do the End Time Tribune, of course. Uh, that is our mainstay, is uh, the End Time Tribune. Um, and uh, you can catch us on social media. Uh, the uh, YouTube is According to the Scripture. We're on Matthew Miller on uh, Facebook and all that good stuff. So, hey... If you do decide to get a copy of the Book of Enoch, please uh, go to Amazon and write a review uh, for my son. And keep him in your prayers. He's underneath heavy, heavy inbound attack continuously. Um, and, uh, well, the bride needs this in her hand. All these works that we've discussed they need to be up for debate. And until now, the scholars, the theologians, have kept them off the table. They've refused to key them to Strong's. This is massively important. We need this 
in these end times. It is time to cast light into the darkness. It's time to pierce the darkness. 